our baby boy Ren is unfortunately in in the quarantine zone of New York City right now. Disgusting. But look, we have to make a pact. We have to all agree in retaliation for the crimes committed against us to never move to Brooklyn. We have to have a pact, an agreement, an alliance. Well, in particular, like Brandon and I have beef because Chapo absolutely refuses to come to the South and I will never forgive them for this. So like- They treat us like we're a bunch of inbred shitheads, meatheads, don't know sh- shit about piss. And it's not right. The South shall rise again. <laughs> something to the word. And Chapo, Chapo will not be there to see it. They're not mm-hmm. going to be there. I'm telling you, they will. I'm going to, I'm going to tell them to. When we're done, when we're done, and everyone has moved to the ranch in New Mexico, we're going to make Albuquerque the new Brooklyn. Just you wait. <laughs> Albuquerque's cool as hell. I liked it there when we went there. That's that's where I live. I love it. And that's that's where I'm trying to move because God forbid I stay in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex for more than a year. Yeah, Dallas is, I mean, you know, Brett liked it. I don't know how to interpret that. Is that like, does Brett have bad taste? I mean. Uh, he just liked being somewhere. He liked being in a different place, I guess, yeah, with this yeah. thing. You know, he was like, uh, he just liked being in a place that's not Ohio, I think. Brian, you're talking mm. about him like he's a dog. You go out, go outside, <laughs> get a little wind in your head. He your likes to love it. Loves to he watch his walkies. He's my, he's my son. Uh, I think he's my son. Actually, they call him my wife. Your wife. Your wife, Brett. That makes sense. Well, anyway, I should probably introduce the show. Hello. You're listening to Not Safer Walks. This is Rachel. I am here with Brandon, Kennedy, and Leia from our normal cast. And our special guest today is Brian from Street Fight Radio. Uh, and I will go ahead and say Brian, unironically, is one of like my favorite people I've met through doing this. He is such a fundamentally good person. He's really funny. He's great to talk to. And we are so excited to have you here, Brian. Thank you. It's nice to hear that I'm I'm good. I I like hearing that kind of thing. I I heard you were from a thing. I don't listen to podcasts too much. Yeah, I'm from a podcast. Yeah, it's like Prince. Prince doesn't listen to music because Prince is too busy innovating. When Prince wants Mm. to hear some music, Prince just goes out and makes a jam. Uh, Leia's kind of a similar way. Uh, Right, the music is in her heart. I have to to make the content. I don't consume it. (laughs) I I consume all pot i i basically listen to podcast well not anymore my my job has changed in a way that i can't really listen to all the podcasts anymore i gotta listen to stuff i don't like in order to make people happy <laughs> so what are you listening to that you don't like uh, i listen to man cow and bubba the love sponge Ooh. and a wrestling podcast oh, no. that i don't like all day today so mm-hmm. that was that was today tomorrow more wrestling podcast and more uh more of the uh bubba and man cow and some opie and anthony probably and some oh, stuff like man. that and, oh, I, I hope we can provide a safe harbor for you from listening to the bad people with bad opinions because we are the good people with good opinions that is oh i mean the thing is it it's weird so i started the pro- project last year uh in october well, september actually it was like early april of last year where i i did a, I'm, i do many series on our patreon and uh one of the the most popular one we ever did was last october and it was called shocktober and it was about shock jocks and people really love it and it's something that it's uh, when i do it people get very excited it's me and felix from chapo talking about shock jocks 
Hendricks. And uh, I don't know why, but I just never stopped listening. Even I, I, I mean, I know I'm doing Shocktober 2 in October, but I'm still listening to it now. So, and and we record like we will record like an episode every two months or something like that that just to keep like warmed up or whatever and uh but yeah i basically i got serious satellite radio i subscribed to bubba the love sponge on twitch now i have to pay to listen to him and i listen to man cow almost every day just to see what the boys see what my boys are up to when somebody is making, uh, you know, writing, writing a book, making content, serious author, they tell you, you've got to read like twice as much as you write in order to make sure that your stuff sings. If you are listening to a lot of podcasts and audio content, do you feel like that makes you a better audio presenter? Or do you feel like it just stirs around in your brain and you go crazy with shitty takes and it just drives you insane? I think Shocktober is better, is one of the best pieces of uh work i've ever done because i took it very i took it very seriously and and you know from april till september well until the end of october last year i listened to shock jocks all day and all night and like i think people really appreciated that i got in and understood the world of these guys i mean i'm a 41 year old man and uh i was an opie and anthony fan i was an uh and a howard stern fan so doing the shows that were about them were were relatively easy but when it came to like Bubba the Love Sponge, Man Cow and Tom Likas, I didn't know who any of those guys were. I didn't listen to their shows and you know spending 12 hours in a day listening to Bubba the Love Sponge for like a month made me understand Bubba the Love Sponge as a person. And I think that's what people appreciate about the thing. It's like, it's a very odd thing that that I've kind of created with this thing because it is, uh, I believe, to be one of the most influential things. Uh, like it, like shock, that those shock jocks, that Opie and Anthony, that Howard Stern crowd, that was probably more influential on comedy than almost anything else. And, and we still feel its influence in 2020, even though the genre is basically dead, you know? And, and uh, I, I think like it was so weird. The weirdest thing to me, I knew a bunch of dudes in their thirties and in their late twenties were going to be like, Oh, this is so cool. It's so cool that somebody's finally talking about this. Like that was something that I totally expected. What I did not expect was like 22 year old women coming up to me and saying like, I didn't even know this stuff existed and listening to you talk about it is fascinating. <laughs> so I, I think like, uh, uh, in a way it, it's like getting a media studies degree i guess it's like covering i, I want to cover things with my mini series that other people never talk about you know or, or that other people haven't covered so i did a kid rock one i just finished one about sports talk radio where i took five guys and and sort of analyzed their shows and i'm working on mega church preachers for the next one and i i think like deep diving into these subcultures that you know i i looked up podcasts about mega pastors and there weren't any because i was going to listen to them to get ideas for mine <laughs> and like when i found out there weren't a lot of those and when i found out you know when i announced the kid rock one people were like what do you, how are you going to talk about kid rock for four episodes and i was like watch me and i I was like able to do it. And I think it's neat to be able to not have to do politics, I think, as a part of my career, because Street Fight is a political show. Street Fight is heavy material 
a lot of times it's funny like we we work very hard to make that a funny show but the material on that show can be very depressing and it can really beat you down you know don't we know that like you're you're laughing to avoid sobbing hysterically Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've, you've listened and you've called in Rachel. It, it is like, you know, I feel privileged that people call me and trust me with this kind of stuff, but people call and tell me about like what it's like to work, what their jobs are like and stuff. And, and like what it's like to live in capitalism in the times that we live in. And, uh, that's what we talk about. And a lot of that stuff is very bleak and, uh, you know, we make it as fun as we can. But when I go home after a call-in show, I'm sort of beat. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God. So doing things that are focused on something else, I think has been very healthy for me creatively and just mental health wise. Well, Brian, I feel like it's kind of similar because for your show, you're going out and you're talking about the world of politics and kind of bringing back the bad news. And for Shocktober, you're kind of going out into the world of bad content and you're bringing back the bad news to people. You're touching the poop. So uh, yeah. you're, you're doing Bubba, one of the you're, you're analyzing. Can you talk a little bit about what, what did you learn about Bubba the Love Sponge that the average person would be surprised to know? Oh, Bubba's an odd, Bubba's a wild one. So like, I mean, everybody knows like two or three things about him, right? Everybody knows that Hulk Hogan fucked his wife. Right. And everybody knows that uh, he was on Sirius with Howard Stern, I think, like on his channel. I, and and uh, but the guy is broke. I think the most surprising thing about him is like, if you look into what these guys' net worth are, they were making piles of money. I mean, millions. We're talking like Opie and Anthony were making four million a year each before they even went to satellite radio. They were just making that on regular radio. And um, Bubba the Love Sponge for a while recently had to live in a trailer behind his studio because he has no money because he's been through so many scandals. He's been sued so many times. He's had to hire lawyers for just the wildest things. You know, he he was he was being sued for defamation from calling some politician's wife a whore. She was suing him for defamation. And uh, they had this witness. They had this witness that was going to come in and speak. And Bubba had his lawyer have a woman go to the bar with the opposing side's lawyer, get him drunk, ask her to drive him drive her car home and then she called the police so he would get a dui while driving home so Holy as to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what the fuck what the fuck? <laughs> in the discussion on shocktober it was like the fucking jury nobody cares if the lawyer got a dui that's not like gonna help your case all that can do is hurt you you know what i mean mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like literally just cutting off your nose to spite your face but it's florida he's he's like a tampa florida guy and, and this does sound like right, a florida story does. that makes sense so if you look up a lot of these guys on youtube you'll find a lot of videos of their bits and things that are saved if you look up bubba you will find him on the news most of the time for some scandal that he's been involved in and 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 it just <laughs> <laughs> he completely and and he's very weird now too because like every time he has a guest on he asks him for a job which i think is like one of the fucking most pathetic things but it's incredible to me 
I kind of relate to that though. Like, oh, like every time I'm funny. on air, I'm like, please give me money. I'm so hungry. So sad. <laughs> what a I, I have a, I have a modicum of self-respect to do that before the cameras start rolling or Thank afterwards. <laughs> I've been saying that. It's like he had the guy from Cocaine Cowboys on his show, the director of Cocaine mm -hmm. Cowboys. And he was just like, hey, if you ever need anybody to do any research, I know a lot about cocaine. Like fucking, you're just putting them in this. Like, what are they supposed to say? Oh, sure, I'll talk to you if you like. Yeah, I would love like, to work fucking, with a cokehead. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I I Why? I fully believe that if any presidential nominee, any politician came to him and said, "Will you do outreach?" to tampa florida for me he would do it no matter who it was like if bernie sanders came to him he would do it if donald trump came to him he would do it if hillary clinton came to him he would do it like he is just just that kind of chaotic weirdo yeah and it's a weird show business it's a weird part of radio is such a strange part of show business anyway you know because it's a lot more legit than podcasts Maybe. I mean, is it? Like, I don't know. Like, I <laughs> not anymore. Not like but I'm, I'm, I'll go, Rachel, Rachel, <laughs> no, no, think, no, no, Rachel, no, no, think no, through no. this, though. If we were given, if we were given a nationally syndicated radio program, you would think that we were a lot more powerful than we are just with this, right? I mean, like, maybe. So here's the thing. It's like, when I think about the kind of radio I listen to, it's almost exclusively podcasts. Like, I don't. Like, I mean, I'll turn on the radio if, like, my phone is dead or whatever. Or, But I, generally speaking, want to have the sort of content that I crave filtered into my brain as quickly as possible, right? And I think that, I don't know, I, I feel like in some ways podcasting might overtake radio because people don't have the time anymore. Yeah, I think part of that might be because there's, like, an age difference there and sort of, like, the accessibility of having an internet connection to make a podcast in the first place means mm -hmm. people seriously like the fact that like oh like you got on radio means that you know somebody at a radio station and it right. doesn't it doesn't fucking Ra like radio infrastructure yeah. is right it's kept. podcasting is of the proletariat right yeah right. the the fcc's jurisdiction doesn't touch podcasts yet <laughs> and but radio also like is such a weird industry that seems like it's trying to die like it doesn't seem like they're trying to do anything to make it something special that you can listen to. Right. It is uh, pre-programmed music. They got rid of all the DJs and all the personalities, which is like the DJs were dipshits back then. But I mean, they were something different that you couldn't get from putting a fucking CD in a CD player. They were <laughs> And, and you know... <laughs> I recently, uh, or I did this during Shocktober, but I talked to Felix from Chapo. My, you know, I talked to all the guys all the time, but uh, I asked them if Sirius ever approached them. Cause like you would think Sirius Satellite Radio would approach a show like Chapo that is as popular as it is. They like have this huge audience and they've never been approached by a radio company, any of them at all. And I, I just find it strange, like that radio doesn't even seem like it's trying. It doesn't seem like they want anything on that medium that could maybe possibly be successful, you know? Well, and I think that that ties into sort of a broader perception of like the quote unquote dirtbag left, right? And I, I say this, you know, I mean, I think probably Street Fight is considered dirtbag left. Definitely Chapo is considered dirtbag left. I mean, Am Amber coined the term, so... 
Right, right. And not say for wonks, you know, we aspire to become dirtbag left, I think. But, you know, I, there's sort of this perception there that, you know, somehow uh, the the leftists who do podcasts are less legitimate, you know? And I'm curious. They uh, are. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, we may Absolutely. Be- I don't know about like- you all, but I am definitely less legitimate for everything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, right. This is the least job job I've ever had. And I have had very few jobs. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious, like, in a way, you know, Street Fight Radio is where not just the quote unquote dirtbag left started, but like where sort of leftist podcasting and leftist sort of radio started, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I, I want to ask you, you know, as an interested person, also as a person who like kind of talks to you regularly, like, what's that like? Does do you have imposter syndrome? Does the imposter syndrome ever wear off? Am I ever going to feel like I should belong here? You know? <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> I think I probably have some imposter syndrome. I often say that Chapo give us like way too much credit for their thing. I do feel comfortable in saying that like Street Fight is where this type of podcast came from. I mean, even if you didn't hear it, it's like Chapo started there and a bunch of other people that listened to us in the very early. I mean, I've said this a million times and it's the old Velvet Underground joke, but the only people that listened to Street Fight in 2012 were Felix, Matt, Will, like people that started more successful podcasts than us. And uh, I think that like... um. As far as the dirtbag left thing, though, is like, I don't know if like I considered it that I I, I don't know if I considered dirtbag as as like my aesthetic. I, I think that me and Brett, when we started out, the reason we brought those things up was because we'd never heard anybody talk about hustling on the radio. We'd never heard anybody talk about getting a payday advance on the radio or writing bad checks or anything like that. And and like I was trying, you know, as I said earlier, I came up listening to shock jocks and like I was trying to do something edgy, but I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't want to like attack trans people or, or like make fun of trans people or, or any or anything. I didn't want to do any of that stuff like those people did. So I said, what is edgy? And that was what we thought was kind of edgy. But again, like these things that we did were things that we weren't proud of at the time and maybe still aren't proud of. They were what we did to survive because we didn't make enough money to live. You know, <laughs> it's really weird me thinking about this because you kind of grew up in that shock jock atmosphere, as you said. But I, I'm just thinking about like I am the I am the podcast token zoomer. So I grew up into the sort of cultural atmosphere that Street Fight and that the people you inspired created. And in a lot of ways, what I've tried to do with Not Safe for Wonks is a reaction to your reaction or to people's reaction to your reaction to shock jocks. And that's really weird to think about. Well, I think there's something subversive about authenticity, you know, and especially mm-hmm. given that like the majority of people are struggling in the same way, especially now. Right. You know, and there's something subversive about showing that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, like, like I just, I, I don't even know what I thought. I, 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 I don't know that like a pot, I, I know this thing. This is what I think. And this is what I've said since 2016, which is when I started making a living as a podcaster and comedian is that like, this is not activism. Like I don't consider what I do activism. I know that street fight is very important to a lot of people. Like I absolutely get that. And I realize that responsibility. And like, I understand that, but I think that like, I, I make 
money doing this. And I, I get a lot of like adulation. I get free drugs. I get all kinds of stuff for doing this. This isn't like a selfless act. And like, I think that like what makes the show leftist is that like, we're trying to do the right things in the world and we're trying to talk about doing the right things in the world but like as far as activism goes like i really think the people that call my show are activists more than more than i am like their voice is getting out you know uh we have gotten email after email from people with of internal company emails since the coronavirus started and like that stuff is like i feel a great responsibility to get that stuff on the air and get that stuff out there so people that can hear what's being said so they don't feel alone you know but the people that are screen capping those emails and sending them to me that's fucking activism i'm a promoter basically is what i feel like i don't i feel like i don't do enough and that maybe even is why i do have some imposter syndrome at times is like you know what what can i really do you know yeah i'm just imagining you now like somebody's like getting ready to speak at a protest and you're just like being their hype man you know? <laughs> <laughs> just brian out there just come on everybody get excited it's funny though when i go to a protest i'm like the quietest guy like i just want to stand there i don't need it they don't need another white guy fucking up there screaming his opinions at people you know what i mean <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because like i was sitting here listening to you talk about your og left-wing radio i'm thinking like this is like the jay-z of left-wing radio and the chapo guys are like the drake of left-wing radio because they're being so emotional and leia you get to be little uzi vert because you're <laughs> i don't know any of those people so. oh my god okay excuse me zoomers they know nothing about anything <laughs> yeah so given that you have maybe more of a imposter syndrome when it comes to like real world activism so how do you balance like what do you feel like you can comfortably do in the non-podcasting world and how do you make time with it alongside your main job which is getting clout and spreading it like how do you make <laughs> that balance between your your real life and your recording life I don't. <laughs> I am the worst at doing that. I spend all my time doing the job. But I know that if there is a movement, right, if there is like a revolution of some sort, if if there is a leftist movement, there is a place for every single person. Right. And I think that like my place is to make voices heard and to amplify voices if I can you know and like uh that is what i try to do you know that that's the call-in show is there to amplify worker voices so that people understand work if there's a protest i show up to it columbus ohio is not really a radical hotbed or anything but i'm also there i'll be at the convention if it happens i'll be at both of the republican and democrat convention i'll you know i'll be at the inauguration i'll be at all that stuff and i'll be protesting i won't be working at that thing you know i will be out there in the streets with people i'm not gonna take recording equipment there i might do a live show sometime on a weekend to pay for the travel but like i gotta be honest like i don't like even really know what to do like i'm like sort of paralyzed with this uh inactivity um i have a lot of anxiety issues <laughs> like really bad no anxiety yeah. <laughs> Most among us like has not common bread. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I have super anxiety. So my partner, Brett, though, he he does food, not bombs. And he's been encouraging me to get out and do that. And it happens in the morning and I'm never awake in the morning. So I think I am going to go like one Saturday night or on Saturday nights and cook with them. And, you know, me and Brett have an uncanny ability to raise money for people. We pay a lot of people's rent. You know, we uh, don't keep the Patreon money. Of course, me and him get most of or not most of we we split 40 percent of it. But a lot of the rest of it goes to our employees who we pay them all twenty dollars an hour. Like we really try to be fair as bosses. We don't tell anybody what to do, which is a weird thing. You know, <laughs> It's weird to be a boss, but like we pay people an ethical wage. We run the business in an ethical way so that people see that that is the possible way to do it. And like, I don't know, I go to protests, I interview uh, politicians. Well, I interviewed my first politician a couple weeks ago and it was nerve wracking. But uh, it, that's so funny because interviewing politicians is like our bread and butter. Like I was about to say, we do this. Yeah. The primary season has been winding up for a while. It's winding down now because a bunch of the big primaries are being held. But for months, all we interviewed, and I started to comment on this like, please, can we do less politician interviews? But I think it was actually pretty important because yeah, there, there's a and it's like you said, we're, we're not activists, but I hope we can stir activism. And I hope we, by amplifying these progressive insurgent voices, we can help get them more stature, stature in their races and to spread their ideas and win. Right. Here's the thing about interviewing politicians. Uh, Morgan Harper, who is running to unseat Joyce Beatty, one of our representatives, she came on our show and I, I knew a guy who was consulting on her campaign and they talked about it for six weeks before they decided to do it. Like that meeting after meeting and like... Oh. We've had Michaela Wilkes from Baltimore on. She's very cool. She came on and talked to us. But like my thing about talking to politicians is like, I don't want to fucking tank your career, dude. I don't want somebody to come on my show and then Fox News play me and Brett saying some fucking treasonous stuff on our show or talking about drugs or any of the stuff we talk about. So that that's another thing that I think like I'm hesitant to have politicians on. And one of the reasons for that is because our material is probably a little bit our material can be edgy at times. And, uh, you know, it's why I'm not in a DSA. Like, I don't want to be one of these podcasters that like people use to discredit the DSA, you know? <laughs> so I, know, I, I feel like, I feel like you know, when you, when you talk about like y'all's history with like drug use and stuff like that, like there's the same sort of radical subversive authenticity to talking about your history with drug use as any other part of your experience, right? Like I know like Ohio has been particularly hit by the opioid crisis. You know, I've had friends die in Ohio because of opioid overdose. And I feel like talking about that and like being authentic about that part of the working class experience is really important. You know, it's like, it's almost like lancing a boil, you know, you have to put the air in and bring the light onto it for it to heal. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think I would push back on this idea that y'all can't be truly political because a you already are clearly by the way you're influencing people's behavior and b you know I, I think the things that you have to say and talk about genuinely meaningfully contribute to the conversation yeah but rachel your fetish is getting canceled that's true yeah okay 
okay. But <laughs> just because I am waiting for the moment that I get canceled so I can finally have my first orgasm of my life doesn't mean that Street Fight Radio is not giving a legitimate community service to, you know, the fucking country. It's glorifying drug use, though. Me and Brett, like, <laughs> it's... It's not, it isn't like a, a big, let's let it, we glorify drug use on our show. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, like, yeah, that's why it's a good show. <laughs> yeah, but that's, exactly, exactly. that's part of what makes it approachable. You know, it's part of what makes y'all feel like, you know, real people. If that makes sense. Yeah. Tomorrow night, we're doing a stream of the, uh, do you guys know what the PMRC is? The Parents Music Resource Council, Tipper, Tipper Gore started it. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I do. Let me Yeah, uh, I, I'll explain it quickly. Tipper Gore's daughter heard the album Purple Rain by Prince and uh, the song Darling Nikki. So she started a team of politicians' wives that ran around and, and got mad about rock music lyrics in the 80s. And uh, <laughs> we are doing a stream of the con right. they got they got a congressional committee and and had a hearing about rock lyrics in the 80s and we're going to stream that tomorrow and like kind of talk about it and like one of my dreams of all time is to have some politician get real mad at me and be like these fucking guys love drugs and satan so that then oh, i can go on God. fox news oh that would be <laughs> That is that is absolutely a dream to have someone rail against us as dumb and stupid and satanic. I read Tipper Gore's book and she talks about Wasp, the band. It's an 80s metal band, Wasp. And she's so shocked that the lead singer has a uh, he has a cod piece with a chainsaw sticking off of it instead of his dick. And she's like, that's disgusting. Our children are seeing this. And I'm like, God, I wish. Oh, yeah. Like, Can uh, I just that, say that Tipper is such a good name for somebody who gets mad for a career? Like, yes, yes. That's like yeah. God, God gave that first name for someone who would get mad about somebody having a chainsaw dick. A really Absolutely. formative experience in my life was OzFest. I went to OzFest 97 and Marilyn Manson was there. You know, it's funny you mentioned Marilyn Manson because I, I assume you know this. He uh, is from Canton, North Canton. I know, but I, I read his book. I... I, I went to this show in Columbus to see Marilyn Manson and there was a bomb threat there by some Christians and an airplane was flying over telling us, you don't have to do this. You know, you can be saved. And like in that moment, I was just kind of like, I wish I was fucking Marilyn Manson, dude. Right. I wish I was that. Like, <laughs> I would love for somebody to fly a plane over my house and say like, Rachel, stop posting pictures of your butt on the internet. <laughs> Oh, that would never happen because my butt is improbably perfect. But if it were to happen, I would be very satisfied that I was that important. I live, I live next to an airport, like three miles from an airport. So it would be very easy to attach like a massive speaker to one of the fucking jetliners that cruise over my house every day. Just saying, potential right wing idiots who want to harass me. <laughs> yeah, give me ammo. I mean, I was an internet cartoonist in my 20s, so between us, we have enough clout for at least a helicopter. <laughs> but it used to be so easy to get parents mad. And that's like, I miss that, you know? Like, I, I sort of got my fan base in a time where parents don't get mad anymore. And I'm like, damn, I wish I could have. I wish I could have been around back then and really freaked them out.
sometimes I look back at stuff like Mortal Kombat and I'm like, really? This is the kind yes. of fucking shit that you started a ratings board over? This? Yes, that's what I mean. They used people used to be so parents used to be so freaked about like everything. And now it's like a song like Darling Nikki is like who would even fucking get mad about that ever when there's songs about eating ass on the radio all day every day. <laughs> even in its time, I always thought that one was funny cuz like there were much more offensive albums than Prince's Purple Rain. I, I I always thought that was so incredible. That was the the nexus of the crisis, so to speak. Which she was freaked about. Like the weird thing is, because I read, I just finished the book. So, but like she was just freaked that like she didn't think her daughter knew what masturbation was, and that her daughter <laughs> yes, and like that I her said, daughter figure it out yourself. I, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a house where my mom, like, screamed at me for five full minutes when she found out I was hiding a copy of Goldeneye from her. So, like, I remember that life. I remember That's being- crazy. Oh, my God. My, my father listened to My Chemical Romance while driving me to elementary school. <laughs> yeah. I feel so fucking old. I feel so old every time you talk, Leia. I mean, like, like I got uh, our kid to like preschool listening to Initial D music. So like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, our baby loves Run the Jewels. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are the kind of parents that we need. My daughter's getting into bedroom pop. Is what she she likes indie. She's she's told me recently <laughs> that she now likes indie music. So I'm like, all right, cool. Recommender always. It's a Canadian band. They're uh, shoegaze tweet pop. It's good. I, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to let her her know about. She really likes this band called the Wallows. Oh, never good, heard of them. That sounds like the kind of band that like a teenager would love. Wallows yeah. went bomb live in Pittsburgh right before the quarantine, oh, and God. she was so happy. Check this out. So I took my daughter. My daughter's fifteen. And I took her to Austin City Limits last year. And she saw 21 Savage. She saw Lil Uzi Vert. She saw Tame Impala, uh, Lizzo, Guns. Well, she saw part of Guns N' Roses, but she didn't really care about Guns N' Roses. But she, 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 just say she saw like all the most famous acts in one time. And then she saw the Wallows a couple months ago. And she texted us as soon as it was uh, over. And she was like, that's the best concert I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> haven't been to enough yet to to really take. She's seen that Neutral Milk Hotel and Old Crow. On brand. Go. I <laughs> mean, that those are like classics, though. Yeah, I think it's funny in a way. You wanted to like be in the time where parents would sort of like get mad and like protest you. The way that you talked about worrying about getting canceled, I feel like we kind of wish that people would give us that kind of attention. We used to joke for the longest time, we get all these great politicians and activists and people on, and as soon as someone listens to our back catalog, it's over. We'll never get guests like this again. <laughs> but now we've made like 85 episodes and like people have definitely listened to this. You know, people's campaign managers have listened to this before they've let, let their people come on the show. And somehow like nobody cares about the crazy shit that we say. Like, I feel like we're now past, like, we're starting to eclipse past that even be, being able to be canceled mm -hmm. as a leftist podcast. Like, I, I, like, I have to imagine that some idiot right winger will have to trawl through our entire back catalog to find something dumb we said and take it out of context. And then it gets 40,000 retweets on idiot chud Twitter. And that will, that I will, I will laugh my fucking ass off that day, the day that happens. That'll be so gratifying. That will almost certainly be something that i said 
Obviously. I'm lucky because my show has been every week since 2011, and nobody's going to go back through that. <laughs> Kennedy, you've got to be really careful when you say you can't get canceled. It kind of reminds me of Bernie tweeting that the Democratic establishment can't stop him. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> something to, no. something to think just a little bit. No. Why do you got to bring that up? It's still too raw. <laughs> oh, well, no. you know, really, I think it was the media uh, that more stopped him. There was just such a coordinated. I mean, we have got people under 40 on lock. We've got the pod game on lock. We've got the radio game on lock. At least for whatever younger people listen to. It's just these olds. We have no means of getting through to them. It's funny you mentioned means and how to get through to the olds who primarily watch TV. Uh, Segway. Good. Yeah, what a good segue, right? I'm so good at oh, that. Oh, you're an artist. That's incredible. I'm such a fucking artist. I'm such a fucking professional. Okay, so like we're talking about old people who love TV and we're talking about the means. So let's talk about means TV. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like that's that's one of the things that y'all have been uh I don't know if you've been directly working on it, but I know that you've contributed to it. Um and y'all are sort of associated with that. So I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about like means TV, what it is, and how y'all are involved. Uh Brett is on the board, uh, the co-op board. So that's one way we're we're involved. But for me, I am like just content. I'm I'm just talent for means TV, but presumably at some point people are going to be allowed to travel and uh nick is going to drive nick is the guy that runs so here's how here's how i know the means people in 2015 or 16 we were going to a cannabis carnival in michigan to perform and as one does yeah yeah it ruled we got so much fucking free weed at that thing and uh so we were going there to perform and this 19 year old kid uh messaged us and said hey do you mind if i come and film you and uh he did a really good job he the 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 film looked really cool and uh it, it was good work so we said hey man why don't you go on the road with us and film our shows so he did that for about a year and a half and uh for our ver- first like road shows he was there like filming it and hanging out we, we have, had a pretty good relationship with each other and uh then he conceived of the means tv thing him and him and naomi his his girlfriend and they they put it together and uh it's a streaming platform that has a bunch of very cool stuff it has my buddies the sams on it right now the street fight tv show was going to launch i think this week but we can't get our set built because Nick's in Detroit and we're here and we can't oh we can't do any of the work because of the uh, travel bans and stuff and like Detroit's that. Detroit's getting hammered, I'm hearing. Because of the minor apocalypse we have going on right now. Yeah. So once he's able to get down here, we're going to build our set and the Street Fight TV show will be on Means TV and that'll be our connect street fight tv is what it will be called and that'll be our connection to it It, i think uh i think it's gonna be pretty cool it's it's gonna look different than a lot of other stuff in sort of our world you know me and brett like to be sort of ahead of trends or we like we like to do something that not everybody else is doing so it's gonna have like a real like headbangers ball aesthetic and it's gonna be uh me and him just doing sketches, doing uh, uh, a monologue, and maybe doing some interviews and some animated pieces of the podcast that are good that we've done. And uh, I think people are really going to fucking like it. Like, it's a real, true, legit TV show. There are producers. There are assistant writers. And uh, it's all put together. Now, it's just like my... I now have to learn how to make a TV show because that's going <laughs> to 
<laughs> my job. It sounds to me like the Eric Andre show, but news, and that is <laughs> incredibly satisfying to me. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Like we really want it to look like like that '90s sort of uh, extreme loud rock music. We want it to look like something that people would never make now. It's so wild though, because '90s aesthetic is totally back in now, and I am exactly the right age to find that cringe. Because you know I'm a millennial, <laughs> so I grew up in the '90s, right? And so for me, it's like all of these like teens and like Zoomers and like post Zoomers are wearing these outfits, and I'm just like, oh god. Oh. Why would you wear that? Like, what are you doing? Like, no, that's so bad. I think it's cool. I'm buying. I, I, I'm hype. Bees Brian is in full like well, right. uh, buying oh mode right now because <laughs> you were the right age for that to be like your cohort, right? For me, I associate that with like when I was like a kid and lame and like super like uncool. But for you, like that was like when you were like in your like teen years, right? Because you're you're about enough old then. I mean, you get a second time you're allowed to wear jenkos and it's like there's a lot to be said for that <laughs> i'm 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 full on uh cargo pants right now like i'm really into cargo pants i remember us talking about that on that colin episode i was on recently how you have like seven pairs of cargo pants or whatever it's like you know jenkos are like evolved cargo pants because you can hang knapsacks on the inside oh my god like i don't know if i can do the jenko again i i i did for that period of time but uh I, I just, I can't, I, I don't think I can do it again. They were too much, too big, you know? <laughs> I go with big cargo pants, though, so that's something. Here's the real question. Are you, when are you building the half pipe? Oh, I, I wish I could skate. I'm 41 years old. <laughs> I always wanted to be able to skate. That is something that I, once I get the money, You don't have to actually I'll use it, that. but 90s aesthetics is you got to have one of those in your backyard, dude. Come on. <laughs> I do have a 90s handy cam that with like the fisheye lens and all that stuff and we're gonna do some some sketch and some and some stuff with that too so like we're really shooting for like a really it's not new but like a, like we want to separate ourselves a lot of their thing is like a vaporwave sort of thing and uh it works a lot for those guys or for the people that have shows and stuff on there but we want to be something that like punches you in the face when it comes on the tv and uh hopefully we pull it off kind of like that old school like 90s like mtv trl sort of situation Oh, more like Headbangers Ball or like Maximum Exposure or okay. um, there's a fucking other show that we brought up that we really like lightning and like uh, thrash metal, just stuff that's like, uh, I, I don't know. I want it to, I really want it to look like nothing else that's on TV right now. And uh, I, I think that stuff is on its way back. I mean, the lightning shirts and stuff I spend all day looking at t-shirts so that's like my whole day is spent on my phone looking at t-shirts to buy so i i see that i think that stuff's like sort of coming back around again and i'm like really excited about it because i'm an expert in it how much of your style uh for this comes from the medium and how much of it is well you know i'm just gonna do what i've always done and um i'm gonna let the medium adapt to me how much do you think all right i'm gonna be on a visual medium and i've got to start thinking visually is that a challenge yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me is 
So my job in Street Fight is is I'm the content. I write and Brett does the business side. He's very funny and like he's a person that I trust. So the way that we traditionally write is that I write a skeleton and he puts his stuff in there without telling me and I put my stuff in there without telling him and then we go on stage and we try it and see which stuff is good. And uh, we're not going to be able to do that with this. And uh, I think the TV is going to have to fit into what we do. But I want to write a good TV show. Like, I want I want it to be good. And uh, I've never done anything like this before. I've never written sketch. I was a fucking cable guy, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, just try. I'm going to learn on the fly. And, and I think the show's going to sort of bend around what we're good at and not what TV is supposed to be is my hope well you know the last time you did that you basically invented leftist podcasting so i'm reasonably <laughs> confident that you're gonna be able to pull it off a second time we're gonna invent leftist tv shows and it's going to be a brand yeah. new era exactly <laughs> and you know um i mean i don't know if i could go so far as to call us perhaps not friends but very friendly acquaintances obviously i am rooting for you as a person who cares about you you know thank you I yeah. mean, I think it'll be good. I think I have a lot of confidence in uh, in our material and, and I have a lot of confidence that we can be funny. And uh, I have Brett as my muse. Like I look at that guy and I can write a million things for him. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think like uh, I think we're going to bring the spirit of the podcast to a, a visual medium. Finally. Well, I mean, I I know that generally speaking when you have a guest on a podcast you kiss their ass right but I'm, I'm saying this again as a person who cares about you i really believe in y'all you know i love what y'all have done so far i'm so grateful for what you have done to create a leftist space and to create the sort of conversation that we're all having now about you know what government should be how we should engage with government all those things and i i genuinely believe that you know when y'all take it to tv you're going to do something really impressive with it yeah i hope i hope i really appreciate the faith yeah. And, you know, I've said this to you like privately, but I'll say it on air as well. Like you are truly one of the best people that I've had the fortune of knowing, you know. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I think y'all are truly good people. And I mean, I believe in you. Um, you. And it seems like a really good note to sort of segue into our ending because we've been doing this for about an hour now. Let me go ahead and say, you know, obviously you've been pitching sort of your TV show. Is there anything else you have coming up that you want to sort of drop or yeah, go on tour? <laughs> I know. I mean, someday, someday I'm soon. We're not going to hit Atlanta and we're not going to hang out. Well, mm. I mean, at some point this year, we're going to have to make up a bunch of dates. So I will have a bunch of dates. But right now, uh, you know, I I'm doing a lot of extra work on the feed. There, there is a new episode of Brace and Brian on the free feed this week, which is me and Brace Belden do a show together every. We try to do it every month, but it doesn't uh, really happen. You just, you just know everybody, man. <laughs> I do. I do. Brace is a dear friend of mine. Um, but uh, me and him do a show together every once in a while. So that's going to come out probably on Saturday. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to do extra content. So if you just the Street Fight Radio stream and stuff like that, where there's going to be stuff up as much as we possibly can. We're trying to give people content that's not just about coronavirus. <laughs> so that's, that's like the goal. <laughs> Right. I, I mean, that's why I did the show with Brace this week. I, I figured we'd do like 20 minutes on it. And then me and him are both such fucking weirdos that we get into other stuff, you know. And uh, 
I like I said, he's one of my favorite people in the world. So, well, I would love to like get to know him a little bit. Of course, I, I, you know, possible. He is a great person. I want to get to know. Truth be told, because I just sort of trust you that way. Um, Oh man, he's a hard one. I, I had to announce on the show that uh, I can't get him to approve uh, follow requests because I get a DM every couple days. It's like, hey, can you tell Brace to approve my follow request? And I was like, Brace ain't gonna fucking listen to me, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I will never ask you for something like that, but. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's only because I broadly respect your boundaries. <laughs> well, but, I mean, you know, I do know a lot of people because we all came up together, you yeah, know, like, yeah. like it's not, it's, I like met all these people, us and the Chapo guys and like Brace and a few other of the people that people really like, like we were just a group of people on Twitter that bullshitted with like 200 followers for like five years before all this stuff happened. So that's why we all know each other and like trust each other. And I think sometimes it can look like a closed sort of circle, but it's not. It's just that like, you know, we've all known each other for a very, we're all like dear friends, you know, it's not like, it is a scene, I guess, because now we all do podcasts and shit and we all have our things, but it, it isn't like I like I hate that people feel I hear this a lot like, oh, I don't I want to do a podcast, but I'm not going to start one because there's too many podcasts. And it's like there can never be too many podcasts like right, it's going right. to people might not listen to it, but fucking I didn't have any guarantee that anybody was going to listen to Street Fight when I started it. You never know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's like we uh we like to I say we, I mean I I have been saying this a lot. We're basically like gay Chapo. Like if Chapo was (laughs) this is what we've been trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like hearing stuff like that, you know, it kind of gives us like a little bit of hope, I think, because I mean, we try really hard at this. We genuinely think we bring something like a different perspective to all of this because we're so queer, you know, and because we we have the sort of southern aspect of it. And I mean, I, I hope there's an audience for us. You know, I mean, I think that I recently did the Eat the Rich podcast and they kind of just started and they seem to be doing really well and and getting a lot of listeners. And I sent them a, a DM after I did it and said, hey, I'm like really glad you guys are doing this and same to you guys. Like, I'm really glad you're doing this because so many people, so many people want to try it and they don't do it. And there's nothing to lose from trying it. Like maybe pride takes a hit. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe your pride could take a hit. And I had a couple podcasts that failed before street fight and, uh, you know, it's street fight. No fucking nobody listened to street fight for the first fucking five years. I did it. Like nobody was listening to the show. It's just, Uh. it doesn't happen fast and you just have to be there every week and people will find you can get people to find you. You know, and I, I like hate the idea that people are not doing things because it's it's exactly the same to me as saying I want to be in a fucking band, but there are too many bands already. <laughs> so. I relate to both of these as a person who is uh. the last musician and a person who is currently a podcaster. You're speaking to my spirit. And it's, it's honestly really heartening to hear that. For the first kind of five years, you, nobody listened to it because we've been going at this for about eight or nine months now, which is incredible to me because in the summer of 2019, I didn't think that we would last a month. I didn't think we could re- get together to record our first episode. And now we're talking to you. 
And that's well, also that's, you're like seven years old, and so eight or nine months is like ten percent of your entire life. <laughs> Shut up. That's five and I get, I get to make the Zoomer there. jokes about myself. You don't get to make them about me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that me and Brett had about two hundred listeners until two thousand. Until Chapo said Chapo debuted, and at the end of their first like five or six shows they said hey without street fight there is no us go give them a listen and and they pushed people our way and that's how it happened like so for from 2011 when we started until like 2015 late 2015 2016 we didn't have a thousand listeners to street fight we probably didn't have 500 so like uh it, it's just kind of like you you have to take an op if you have an opportunity and uh what what i always say is like if you get an opportunity if you get a big guest or, or you get somebody on the show like just work very hard to make like the next two or three shows great and people will fucking stay and me and brett really like when chapo started talking about us when we started doing their show and we started doing live shows with them and stuff me and brett like really upped our game we really started working a lot harder to make this something and that's when it started to grow and like that's what i always tell people is like you can get a guest and then just work your fucking ass off on the two episodes after because you really don't get a lot of chances with people right. so you guys got to get like fucking brad pitt on <laughs> i was just gonna say you you heard him audience we're about to have the three most amazing episodes you've ever heard right i can help you get somebody bigger than me jeez <laughs> i mean i was already thinking like what the fuck are you doing on the like what? <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I don't I don't want to say it because it feels like it's devaluing the, the people like use presence but I, I I'm recording this on a shitty fucking laptop in the in the bedroom of a one-bedroom apartment that I share with two other roommates why are you here I'm doing this on a fucking shitty laptop in my living room while my family has to stay upstairs and I watch professional wrestling on mute on the TV. So Oh on that note, we really do have to wrap we this do. up. Thank yes, you so much, Brian. This was this unbelievably incomprehensible. Fun. Like um and no, just I say, fascinating. I wanna say uh what you're saying you know, talking about how anybody can do it and how we are all, we are all going to raise each other up. That really is the spirit of socialism, the spirit of being a leftist. We are so grateful for you being here. And uh, after this, I'll let Kennedy wrap us up. But I wanted to say truly, like, thank you so much for your support just by being here. Thank you for what you've done for the community overall, you know. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you all asking me. It, it was very fun. Thank you. I'll, anytime. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to have you back sometime because this Hell is yeah. Ryan. Hell yeah. Um, Thanks. For all of you out there listening, thank you so much as always for listening to the show. If you don't follow us on Twitter, we are at NSFWonks on Twitter. The fun never stops there. We're always posting. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you really want to do something to help us out, you know, this show is made by a bunch of broke leftists. We don't have any money coming in from a corporate pack or from dad. We're all broke. We really are. Yeah.
We scrape together a few nickels every month and we keep this show on the air. And if you want to add a nickel to the pile, go to patreon.com slash not safe. It really makes a huge difference for what we're able to do with this show. And if you love content like this, amazing episodes like this, then go support us. It makes all the difference and you'll get access to a bunch of other cool content that's for the patrons. So go there, check it out. Thank you so much. We love you so much, listeners. You are the best. Thank you. Thank you as oh, always. Have a great we night. Have the show without you. Thank you. Than I am right now. Thank you and good night. <laughs> we love you. We really do. We love uh-huh. you. And you know what? Before we drop, let me just say I am Rachel Khan at reach Rachel Khan on Twitter. Don't plug. Okay. We yeah, already did the. Yeah, we plugged it. I don't have a Twitter, but uh, have a see me. But you're fabulous. Brandon Buchanan. I am at Brandon Buchanan on Twitter. And I'm Kennedy Cooper at Kennedy T Cooper on Twitter. See you later. We love you. Bye-bye.